When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If you love to be remembered as the person who gives the best birthday gifts, I'm here to tell you that 1-800-Flowers.com is your ultimate birthday gifting destination. 1-800-Flowers has thoughtful and artfully created options that are guaranteed to deliver the best birthday surprise. Shop thousands of unique gifts at 1-800-Flowers.com for exclusive offers and great values. To order today, visit 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I'm back with Alex, who is fresh from North London. Um, Alex, uh, give, us, give us your top line. How did you feel about the game today? Oh, man, it was, um, it was amazing. I said beforehand, you know, it was, it was a must-win given our respective positions. And uh, it was just it was so great to come away with, um, with the victory, it, regardless of the fact that performance probably wasn't quite as, as secure as we'd hoped. It was a, a really good result. Yeah, it was. Um, it was certainly fun watching it um, from home. I, I I don't know whether I'm just imagining it because I, I see things through uh, Arteta tinted glasses. But it it seemed like the atmosphere was really great today. It felt like the fans were well and truly behind um, the project that they were overseeing. Was that a reality? Yeah, I think that's generally been true uh, since he's been there, and I think that's partly because of the way he sort of articulated his vision and the, the enthusiasm he's brought when he talk, whenever he talks about the game. But also you just, you know, it's you, it's true in the sort of XG stats and all that stuff. But you just see it with the performances generally on the pitch. We're easy, we're hard, tougher to break down. You don't see teams just sort of glide through our midfield anymore. Um, we, just, we just look more assured when we're going forward and everything. And I, I think that's been a bit of a rallying call for us for the fans and certainly in the stadium and I think um, yeah I, d- I don't know I think it's really good like everyone people are behind it it's funny I, I mentioned before I sit where I sit I've got this bloke who just absolutely hates Mesut Ozil and he um, he started cheering him out today and you, it just sort of 
it was funny because people just responded by by chanting his name. So I think even the people that fans used to sort of love to hate or or complain about are, are getting a bit of a fairer hearing. But I think that's that's totally down to how they performed on the pitch. It's on that point. It's quite interesting. Some of the the commentary in the comments on the blog seems to be. Does, does Arteta know that Mustafi is not a good player? And the fear there is that Arteta's getting a turn out of players that we previously thought were on the scrap heap and yeah. that somehow he's being conned by these consistent, these consistently better performances. Um, I definitely don't think that Arteta is, uh, is going to have a, an, an about turn and not move these players on in the summer. But he's certainly pumping their value, um, which I think was always the strategy. You know, do you sell, do you, do you sell Granite Jack uh, now for 24 million or do you, you give him a good five months in the season and then pump his value to 35, 40 million? And I think that immediately we're going to, we're going to see a higher bids come in for Mustafi. Meza Ozil has now proved to the world that he is worth the salary that he's on. I mean, maybe not the total salary. And uh, um, uh, did I say Jacker or Mustafi? Anyway, all, all yeah. of them. It's, it, it feels like we're getting performances out of senior players that you that you would have expected us uh, to be getting out of players. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I was, was going to say it's it's a win win. Um, really, because yeah, because either they they play better or we sell them uh, and actually make money off them. I'm sure we'll come on to it, but I, <laughs> we always have a little section on Mustafi. But I think, and I bear in mind, I haven't seen the highlights or anything. I've just come back from the game. I think he was my man of the match. I think he was that good. He just was an absolute warrior. He was heading away everything. He was covering for Bellerin, who had a bit of a shocker. Um, he certainly played better than Louise. He just looked really solid and really good on the ball. He, um, he was a leader on the pitch today. Yeah. He yeah. was a real leader. I tell you what, you know, he had a performance today that was reminiscent of the performance he had after his horrendous mistake against Chelsea. Just yeah, like, yeah. you know, and, and he is so underestimated for how dominant he can be in the air. And I know that he lost out to, um, to Yeri Mina for the goal, but like really, like who, who's not going to lose out to Mina uh, in the yeah. air from a horrible looping ball like that. But overall, another solid performance. Um, I think he definitely looks better with blonde hair. Uh, and I think it's a statement about his confidence. You know, he's, he's, he's got through the dark times and, and now he's heading towards the light. Uh, so just before we get into the the game in a little bit more detail, a uh, little bit of um, housekeeping because we've got to, we've just got to talk briefly on the Olympiacos game. A uh, bit of a grim performance, but for, as far as I was concerned, the going away from home is always going to be tough. That was Arteta's first game, and the objective in those games is to not concede uh, anything stupid in the first thirty minutes, and we did that and try and shut up shop and then nick a goal late. I mean, it's like typical Italian teams in the 90s and noughties. Uh, we did that. We came away. Performance wasn't anything to be proud of, but like a win is a win is a win, right? Yeah, and these are the, it's the sort of resilience we've been crying out for for, for years, really. Um, I, you know, it seems like a lifetime ago that game. I can't really remember. I remember that obviously the goal was um, pretty special because of the assist, but... Um, you know, there were and the ball out of the back was it? Um, was it uh, uh, oh, Socrates from who? Was that Socrates? Was, was, that it, Mustafi or, was, as well? it, or was it Mustafi? Oh, I can't. Oh God, I'm, whoever I, whoever it was picked out his spot. Told uh, yeah, yeah. Told uh, I mean, told Ober to go there, and uh, it, yeah, it was a brilliant goal. Yeah, and it's again, it's I guess a positive. You know, it's a 
it's obviously a difficult stadium to go to because the atmosphere is so intense. But I guess the, the real positive is, you know, we're now able to seemingly ro- rotate in quite a few positions and still get good performances. I know I'm going crazy. It's only a week, but we've had three wins in a week and Arteta's rotated some positions. And I think it's that's really positive for the rest of the season. Um, so, yeah, good win. Nice. Okay, all right. We'll we'll come back in part two after I've checked the sound to talk about the game. And welcome back to part two of the podcast. I'm here um, with Alex to talk a little bit uh, about the ferocious game that we just witnessed at Everton. We're going to talk about the defence. We're going to talk about the attack. And then we're going to get into a bit of detail about what we thought about the overall performance. And if we've got time at the end, then we'll talk about uh, the upcoming uh, Europa League game and hopes, dreams um, and prayers for the for the rest of the season because things are looking up and uh, hope is flooding back into my heart. Uh, Alex, uh, let's, let's just crack right in. I think that today's performance was not exactly um, our favourite of the season, but Hard not to argue um, with the with, with the outcome. Let's talk about the defence. Under one minute, uh, the ball fly. Uh, well, we, we we concede a free kick against a team that's very dominant from set pieces. Uh, what the what was Kalasanak doing? Uh, like rugby? Like I don't even know. It was almost like he was um, some sort of NFL type move, following Mina into the box, breaking uh, the the line that the defense were trying to hold. So I, I haven't seen that. Was he keeping everyone? Was he playing everyone on on side then? Yeah, Yeri Mina made a run into the box, and Kalasanak sort of bundled in with him, broke the line, and kept everybody on side. Uh, then the, uh. the the ball flicked off of the back of David Luiz's head. Uh, and then Calvert Lewin threw a, a outrageous overhead kick, and, and the ball was in the back of the net. Uh, what it, I mean, it felt like Arsenal of old, whether it was Wenger, Lundberg, or Unai Emery. That was a, that was a classic piece of Arsenal defending. Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't, you know, when it went in, obviously it was frustrating because it was it's a must-win game. But the, I think the this, the most remarkable thing, and again, this comes back to the atmosphere in the stadium, is actually most people are pretty calm. And I think there's always going to be times where you can see goals like this. It wasn't great from David Luiz um, to sort of, you know, get hit on the back of the head and not really uh, have that awareness. But he's been good enough for the last sort of two months for people to sort of forgive him that um, and say, you know, those, those things can happen. I, I think probably what, you know, probably what wasn't great was conceding two goals like that in a game and I think my <laughs> the main notes I wrote from this game was just that Everton are really tall um, and I don't remember them being that uh, tall it's a pretty insightful year. bit of analysis there that's what people are tuning in for that kind of insight yes. but um, they're a massive bunch of guys and uh, they're really dominant in the air really dominant from set pieces and we it, we felt really vulnerable Um from them all game so I think the first one you can sort of allow but I think the second one is more symptomatic of perhaps not having that much height in the team um, other than Louise there weren't really that many tall players um, I guess Kalasinac and Leno but also I think there's a, I know people are saying Leno played well and he did make some good saves but him not really dominating his box um, the way you know a, a guy like Schmeichel or Lehman used to um, meaning that 
we we look less secure in those situations. That that's a bit of speculation. Um, I don't know what you what you think about that. I I think one of the important points to to raise about the two goals that we conceded uh, first minute because we dozed off, and then forty eighth minute in a in a five minute session of injury time. That that for me is a concentration issue to start with. I did I did feel a little bit um, for them. I, I you know I think a number of things went into the second goal. Um, don't think we cleared our lines particularly well again. And then be, we didn't clear our lines, but then we also didn't keep somebody on the line. So we're kind of caught in a terrible defending purgatory um, where we didn't really know what to do. But that uh, the ball back into the box uh, like a, a hopeful hit into the ground and then it spins up the angle's outrageous i, I thought it was uh i thought it was always going to be difficult to beat mina to that ball and but i, I i'm i'm with you I, I thought that maybe leno could have been a, a little bit more dominant physically but it just felt like one of those very arsenal like goals um i think that my i had bigger concerns and this is a bit like partly defensive but also um something that you alluded to in the, in the group chat the bigger concern was that we were getting uh roasted down our left hand side most of the game i mean i know richardson is uh, a a fantastic a uh, fantastic player like he's an absolute monster he's built for the premier league but um he constantly found himself uh like attacking um attacking the left and we didn't really have a solution for it all game i mean hector bellerin always seemed like he was 20 yards away um and it was kind of left to the center backs to work it out and there were some really really unlucky moments for for everton i mean i think um calvert lewin's gonna feel um pretty bad uh going home tonight he's not gonna sleep well because he missed some absolute scissors um what did you make of um of of Bellerin overall I mean he doesn't look like he's at the races does he yeah I think he was probably one of one of our sort of worst performers and he he wasn't you know doesn't mean he was terrible but as you said um there was definitely a vulnerability down our our right uh in Richard yeah Richardson's a good player anyway but it was targeted time and again and him and Mustafi just didn't seem to be on the, the same page. And it, it it felt from where I was sitting like Mustafi was cleaning up a lot of his mistakes and sort of covering for his lack of pace. Um, and we'll talk, you know, one of the things that surprised me towards the end, when I, I think Arteta's substitutions were a bit weird. And he did this, um, he did the, the classic Wenger, first of all, the 70-minute substitution, which I think actually made sense in this case, but taking off our attacking outlets and putting on more defensive midfielders, which just meant we ceded possession to Everton and, and spent the last 15 minutes on the back foot. Um, but it also um, meant we our, we left our right-hand side completely exposed. Bellerin was getting roasted time and again. Pepe, you know, he got an assist today, but he provided pretty much no cover for him. Um and you just have to think that it would have been better to maybe if Reese Nelson could have come on for the last 15 minutes just to shore up the right hand side, um, or even Socrates for Bellerin, because I don't know if it's a he's still trying to get back to fitness or that that extra pace he had has just gone forever. But that felt like the the sort of vulnerable part of the defence today. I mean, I guess it, actually, <laughs> having said that, actually, I suppose Saka. I mean, well, Kalasinac, you know, wasn't really. Uh, from what I saw of the sort of brief time he was on, wasn't really providing the same out- attacking outlet as um, Saka has done. 
And I think Saka came coming on did in the first half at least just completely changed the dynamic of the game for us. It, it felt like it opened. We had an additional threat that we didn't have uh, before he was on the pitch. His assist was in, was absolutely incredible. Um, for Nketiah it was an amazing cross but um, I think uh, other than that I think everyone sort of knows in the second half he faded and he was he had a pretty awful game as well sort of conceding giving away the ball a lot uh, missing out on tackles and I think we rode our luck for the last uh, 20 minutes definitely Yeah it's quite distressing to see the how this injury has impacted Bellerin there was a there was a bit of a fierce debate on uh somebody tweeted me and said basically said you know no, nobody's mentioning the v word over here that you know since Hector's turned uh vegan he <laughs> he looks he looks underweight he's not particularly fast and I I, I think there's a, a a sort of body of science that basically says that humans aren't supposed to be um vegan uh, yeah. it depletes the natural nutrients that we've been getting from from meats for you know fifty thousand years or or however long the the the, the human race has been going. Homo sapiens yeah. has been going. But and it, when you think about a professional athlete recovering from injury and the the nutrients that you need to repair yourself properly, like you do, you do wonder. I mean, I have absolutely no grounding in anything <laughs> to make a statement like but, this. But you're, um, you've just gone in a I've just got vegan just, rant. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've I've just I've just got a feeling. I've just got yeah. a feeling that. Uh, that trying to like re-engineer how the body operates is maybe not the best for a elite level sport, but um, I'm happy to be for someone who's um, a vegan sports science <laughs> expert to come on and, and prove me wrong there. But yeah. um, this is now a, a pro meat podcast. Yeah, we're all we're all about the meat. Um, but but I don't um I I, I, I whatever it is, it, it starts to make the Cedric signing look a little bit more rational in a sense. I mean, I don't know yeah. whether he's the right player, but you can see why Arteta perhaps thought it might be a good idea to, to buy in a right back. Um, I, I think that the difference between um, the contribution of Aubameyang and Pepe was stark. Yeah. And um, although, I, 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 you know, we'll talk about Pepe's attacking output. I mean, it's clear that he's an exciting player, but, uh, you know, compared to what, Reese Nelson was doing when he when Arteta first started 10 or 11 games ago you can see the difference and perhaps why he preferred him a little bit but uh, yeah o- overall I'm, I was a, I'm, I've been a little bit disappointed with Hector and I wonder whether he can get back to his best then to then to get onto the Saka stuff um some people were saying that they thought he was tired I I don't think he was tired I think that maybe he's been reading his own press headlines this week and that he is now officially statistically the best left back in the Premier League and I think he came on all guns blazing and then he he, he kind of fell into like a, a mistake whirlpool didn't he yeah, like yeah. He, made, he made a couple of bad passes uh, he got knocked off the ball uh, and and then there was a one moment where it was almost like uh, Denilson esque when he just sort of fell on fell on the ball. He wasn't even challenged, and you were like, "Oh wow, he's he's heads dropped. He's nervous." And uh, Everton are absolutely relentless. Yeah, yeah. But well, it's, yeah, it's surprised. Yeah, his head did go a bit. I don't, I don't know if it's he's getting too. It doesn't seem like the kind of guy who gets too 
believe his own hype too much. But it's, or, but like, it's natural though, isn't it? I mean, it's natural. Yeah. You know, the whole world blowing smoke up your ass. You're 18 years old. Your agent's telling you that you're going to get 120,000 a week. I'm not surprised. I mean, not, I'm, I, I, 18 year olds are always going to have uh, up and down performances. And I think we saw um, against Olympiacos, Gabriel yeah. was not at the races. And today, all those sackers attacking um, offering in the first half was absolutely sublime. Uh, I think his defensive contribution today made the team nervous. Yeah, I, th- I think that's it, right? I think it's, it, it's the, the most obvious answer is he's a young guy and, and young guys tend to be more inconsistent even when they're really, really good like he is. I guess the guy we talked about before we wanted I wanted to discuss, where the hell is Ainsley Maitland-Niles? Because he would have been perfect. Um, he's He has the pace, um, the power to deal with, well, hopefully to deal with a guy like Richarlison. And I, I just don't, I don't, well, I'd love to know what's what's going on there or why he's not even getting in the squad at the moment. Do you know, I, 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 it's, a, it's a complete conspiracy theory. I don't know, but I think there is definitely some... You're going to blame the vegans? I'm, I'm going to blame those fucking vegans again. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, people um, email me after this podcast and uh, complain if they don't like bits in the show. It's um, I get I get really? more, yeah 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 people pick out very specific points uh, that they don't like. <laughs> Somebody pointed out last week that they didn't like that I mentioned um, white privilege. I am sorry if anybody was offended by that. It was uh, it was just a joke. Um, I'm not I'm not going to get myself into more trouble here. But no, it was yeah. it, it, it was a joke. You know, uh, Harland no, has had fine. a lot. I don't of, even remember a, that bit. But ha- Harland okay. has had a lot of privilege. Uh, anyway, who are we? Um, who are we specifically talking about? Sorry, here? we were talking about vegans, but now we're back on. Now we're oh, oh Maitland Niles. I, I think there's a, I think there's some weight to the conspiracy that uh, Maitland Niles has said to Arteta that he does not see himself as a right back and he doesn't want to play there because um, there were. The, I think Arteta made some very pointed comments about what he loves about Saka, and he basically said, you know, he's been asked to play a position that isn't his naturally, and he just plays it. And those are the sorts of players that are going to get games under me. And then all of a sudden, he basically he's first real project to Arsenal was Maitland-Niles and he was playing well yeah. and everybody was celebrating him and then all of a sudden you know, he's barely making the squad so I would assume that he's probably thrown his toys out the pram in exactly the same way that he did uh, for Unai Emery and now he's on the shit list and I just can't for the life of me understand why you would be that unprofessional like if you're getting games yeah. and you're feeling like you're improving just wait until the summer before you make that complaint and say look can i move because i want to you know see myself as a center midfielder or a right winger or you know whatever the position is that he plays but i assume that every time a a, a good young player isn't in the squad something's gone on behind the scenes that um that, that, that doesn't sit well with um with the management team do, do you have a, a conspiracy theory uh any deeper than <laughs> veganism or <laughs> or he's just basically told Arteta to fuck off. I, th- I mean, I think if that is the case that he's he went to him and said that, then he's re- being really poorly advised because it's like, look, you're not super, you're not the superstar of the squad. You can't just sort of make those kind of demands anyway. But also, you're you're you've got an amazing opportunity with this this guy who obviously has loads of potential. He's getting, you know the best out of players like Xhaka and Mustafi, you can learn a lot from him. 
and he can really up your value. So even if you don't want to play there, you just do it for a season and you might end up in a better position, a different position or being sold to another team where you get to play in the position you want to play. Um, it just seems like a really poorly uh, thought out approach to to kick off about that now when there's so much momentum behind Arteta and what he's trying to do. And also I, momentum, momentum behind him. In, yeah, yeah, and he had some really. He was really good. Like he, I still think at the moment he's a, he's a better option than uh, Bellerin's been. And I, I, you know, like like Bellerin. Um, it just seemed. I just the only thing I wonder is there've been if you sort of we remember over the past few months there've been a couple. You know, last week it was oh what's Guendouzi done? You know he's he's out of favour, and now it's Martinelli. And before that it was Sabah. Is there anyone who doesn't make the match day squads? People are quick to jump to say, "Well, there must be a big issue," and then it's there's there, there hasn't been an issue, and it's uh, the players have been picked this the following game. So it may well be that he does come back in in the next game or two. Um, I just think it'd be a real shame if he if if we didn't see any more of him because I think he's got a lot to offer. I really I really like him um, as a player, and a, he just seems like a a good lad. So. Um, it, yeah, just be ashamed. Uh, you can you can understand why Arteta takes that stance. He's like, you know, if if you've got um, if if you're setting up the principles for how you want you know people to behave and how you want them to operate, like if one of your sort of like cultural beliefs or behaviors is that you do what you're asked to do for the good of the team, and yeah. on, on the one hand you've got Aubameyang playing out on the left and tracking back to defend like a monster and he's the fucking captain and as Arteta said today our you know our number one player and our most important player and then you've got Maitland-Niles who's you know barely made inroads in his career and he's potentially saying that he doesn't want to play um, at right back and I think that you know you if, if Arteta wants to be taken seriously as a manager he has to he has to take action in that in that scenario but I, I agree with you like hopefully he'll come around doesn't feel like um the the new regime holds grudges for long if you perform in training if you repent then there's always a way back in um but it does uh it does go to show you doesn't it like some people get advised well and some people just 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 don't and what a what a refreshing approach from uh i mean i love to bitch about the emory era but you you know talk about at least there's a logic and a rationale but behind um the decision the selection decisions and um he's he's Arteta's clear that you know if a person hasn't been performing or there's been an attitude problem he'll call them out on set but he's consistent and as you said he's he's fair whereas you remember Emery just the bizarre decisions around Ozil and Ramsey and sort of dropping them and then bring them back oh yeah I mean the more I think about it the more I can't believe that guy, we hired him and he was here for 18 months. I mean, he was so out of his depth. And I know he, he looked good for the first sort of six months or whatever, but the guy was, I mean, I don't even know how he got into PSG. Like, it's bizarre. It's all like Moyes getting the United job, but just in hindsight. You know, there's, there's always a Pratt or a group of them that say stupid things and then everyone runs along with a stupid thing and then um that stupid thing becomes like a sort of a hip thing to be part of uh like a number of them um you know like when uh people went anti-passion 
And they were like, oh, yeah. you know, asking for passion. It's just a thuggish British thought uh, for people with uh, uh, a palate lacking in sophistication. And yeah. now the, the manager of the best club in the world, Liverpool, is the ultimate fucking passion merchant. And every single CEO or owner of a major club wants somebody with passion in charge of the club. Yeah. I mean, like, how did we ever get to the situation where we didn't think that passion was an important part of football? And I, I, yeah. when we hired uh, Arteta, uh, not Arteta, um, Unai Emery. One of the one of the biggest things that I pointed out at the start, and, and not just me, a, a number of people, was that if it, you can't bring a, a manager into a really difficult situation that can't speak the language, especially if when he was at his last club, he was also laughed out because he couldn't master French. And I'm not saying that I speak uh, Spanish or French, but it's so fucking clear that the communications at the highest level of football is absolutely paramount. But everybody got into this thing where they were like, "You, this is this is outrageous. This is bordering on harassment. It's, uh, you know, it's not that important. It's, you know, it's yeah. ideas and they've got translators. And it's like, no, 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 no. You could see that not only did it, could Emery not master the language uh he, he he didn't have the the charisma the source that special something that that gets players behind it and i, and I know that i'm going off on a bit of a tangent here but i really I, I really do enjoy listening to robin van persie talk about the game and he was on bt sport in the week yeah with uh with martin keown and martin keown's always going to be a bit salty about uh arsenal hiring a manager that is younger than him because you know he's been <laughs> desperate to get back to arsenal for years but uh but robin van persie was like you the way that he talks because it's so clear and he said when you're in the dressing yeah. room you just want to look to the coach you want to know that he knows what he's talking about and you want to you want to get behind it and he said it's 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 so refreshing to see somebody talk that way and he said you know that that, that would get me excited and he said you, you know you can see it in the players and he said i know that people criticize the newcastle celebrations he said but that you know that's happy players peter crouch also said a very similar thing I understand the vision that he's taking Arsenal on and it's reflected on the pitch. And all of that, not all of it, but a lot of that comes about from communication. Was it uh, Julian Nagelsmann who said it's uh, yeah. it's 70%, you know, socialising and 30% technique? Well, it, yeah, be, being a good manager, it's 70% social or emotional intelligence, 30% tactics. I, I completely agree. Um, and I, yeah, I'd say, I, I know on the Emery point, the community, I, genuinely don't i agree communication is important i don't think it's a, lang a language point or a translation point so you know pochettino was able to implement his ideas with the translator for the first you know couple of seasons no but he made up but he but he he made up how bad his english was because he didn't like talking to the press well he yeah, carried they, he carried that through for a long time uh, i think until he was told listen you're playing they, yeah I did, okay i think that's probably fair to a degree but i, I still think if you're if you're clear in your ideas and you have a, a clear vision and you have the sort of the, the the not just the vision but the strategy to implement it and and the the sort of integrity to follow it through that's still something that's easier to translate into another language than whatever the hell emery was doing which was just gobbledygook yeah, and, um, I, and, and I think that that's the point, right? That even if Emery could speak, you know, the the perfect English, um, he still would have struggled because he didn't have the energy, the charisma, or the commitment to carry through his ideas, yeah. or even actually formulate an idea that, that that was coherent at all. Yeah, yeah, 
Uh, and I realised we're going off on a complete... Yeah, we definitely back. went off on a tangent. Sorry. I don't even know how to return this back. Oh, do you know how I'm going to return this back uh, to the to the, the core theme of our last few podcasts? Let's just yeah. let's just jump right into it. Mustafi. Mustafi, Mustafi, Mustafi. Dyed his hair blonde. He went full on Justin Bieber, uh, yeah. which is a big move because it's a statement. It's like wearing pink boots, isn't it? If you wear the pink boots and you play badly, you're going to get absolutely slated. And sure enough, I read, I don't know who it was, whether it was Red Action, were like, is it a coincidence that we've conceded after one minute and uh, you know, Mustafi's dyed his hair? <laughs> and then he went on and he put in a boss performance again. Is he back? Has he been redeemed? Is this? Is it too early? I, I think his road to redemption is quite long because he's had so many fuck ups. Um, but yeah, he like I said at the top, he I, he from again not reviewing the game, and I know Aubameyang sort of swung the game for us with two really great goals. But Mustafi was my man in the match. I just thought he was an absolute warrior. Um, he he covered for Bellerin a lot. He seems to be on the end of every header. Who's aggressive? Who's great on the ball? And I actually think we discussed it last time, but I think um, Arteta is sort of is looking at uh, Luis and Mustafi as his partnership for the rest of the season. And if someone had told you that at the start of this season, you would have had an aneurysm, right? Or you, you would, would have, have had an aneurysm. Like, three weeks ago, you would have had an aneurysm. Yeah. When you came back into the side, the, the Arteta took a lot of criticism for bringing him back into the side. Mm. And after he came out on the website, and we were all like, wow, this is uh, this is kind of awkward. Just, you know, like apologising for being shit. I mean, now I, now I feel absolutely uh, <laughs> terrible that, that we put him through so much. But, you know, we're just football fans and, um, he, you know, he's paid to, to deal with that sort of press. But fair fucking play to him that he's he's turned it around. He looks confident. Um, he's he, His passing really is special. But I, I think the, the best part of his game is the way that he dominates from a, from an aerial perspective. He's not six yeah. foot five, um, but he lets himself be felt in, in every challenge. And uh, I, I've been... Uh, he's, he's probably been the best turnaround project that I've ever seen happen to a player because he, he wasn't just a bad player and we've had plenty of bad players through the years. He was despised, right? Yeah, yeah. Stayed on this summer uh, because he liked his contract, uh, made hideous mistakes, made Emery's tenure even worse. And I just thought that he he battled through a really, really difficult game against some um, some very on-form strikers against a team that's been beaten once in 11. And he was he was a standout. I mean, you kind of expect it of Aubameyang because he's such a you know he's a, he's a player with such a high ceiling. But uh, yeah. I, I've been uh, I've been really impressed with Mustafi. I don't feel nervous now. No, I mean he's um, he's he's sort of repaying the confidence Arteta has shown in him. I think you know there will be bigger. Like I said, he's just he's still got to do a lot. I think to. Till we get to a point where he ever stops being a, a bit of a talking point, but I just think more performances like today um, will, will, will help him do that. I just think he, I thought he was immense. Yeah, and I, I do. I do feel like this is, seems to be a lot of Arsenal fans' um, feedback on uh, Jacker and Mustafi. It's like, well, you're only ever you're only ever one game away from them making a mistake, and it's like, look, I, I completely understand that. You know, I've been writing about these three for years but 
you have to just take it one game at a time and you you have to they have, there comes a point where you you have to stop bringing up the past and say well it's been on five games worth of form and and it's looking good i mean if you can make that 10 games brilliant 15 games it, even better but like whatever happens and i don't think that they'll hang around long past this summer um but they're, they're they're looking like integral players at the moment and they're playing like seniors and i think that if this season has been uh if this season has been tarred with any sort of like tarred with a brush i don't know like, yeah. if, if there's anything that's come out of this season it's that the senior players have let the younger players down but over the last few games i definitely feel like um some of those big names on big pay packets are, are starting to deliver um yeah you know, on, on the promise and I think we we basically started talking about the attack now, but I think yeah, for, I think for him and Jacker, I think it's what I think what's great about it is you know personally it must be good for them. And uh, the dot com had another video with Jacker where he's sort of talking about how he's enjoying playing again, and you just think like he's he's not a player you even sort of worry about anymore or, or sort of think about. He just got such a, a natural role in the team that seems to work. But the thing I love about it from Arteta's point of view, and especially you compare it to like Mourinho this weekend, there's no bitching and moaning about the players he's got, about the lack of money he's got to spend or anything. He He's going to make it work with whatever he's got. If he needs Nketiah, um, you know, this, this is a guy who couldn't get in the Leeds team and Arteta's starting him up front in Premier League games for ni- playing him for 90 minutes as well and he's scoring so in a way we, we desperately need a manager like Arteta who can get the most out of the resources we have and not doesn't need the transfer market to, to make things happen so I think that's another reason to be really optimistic even if you know Mustafi or Xhaka commits them terrible mistake in the next game he's he's extracting the maximum value for from them for the team yeah i agree and you know just to touch on Mourinho because i fucking love it uh <laughs> yeah. spurs fans in the week uh, complaining that jose Mourinho was adopting 2010 tactics to to be rb leipzig and, and it didn't pay off so he's losing in the champions league lost another big game uh against chelsea and you know F- frank lampard has been far from impressive this season as far as i'm concerned but that Mourinho does not look in good shape he does not look like uh he's built for um, for, for for the Premier League in 2020, and you know, it, this is a guy who hired some really good coaching staff from Lille as well. And I thought that you know maybe that was the redemption. But it's so funny, uh, chairman make the mistake every time. They're like, you know what, uh, Mourinho's got through a few personal problems. Uh, you know, he's refocused. He's smiling again, and uh, I think this time, lads, it's going to be different. And it's <laughs> never fucking different because if you're a nasty person who doesn't want to change their ideas and everything is always geared around you, that is what it's always going to be, I'm afraid. And it couldn't happen to a a better club. You got rid of, Spurs got rid of a a top five manager in the world, um, replaced him with somebody who's been on the out for five years. So fuck, fuck them. um, Fuck Mourinho. And also um, that was, I guess, another um, piece of the puzzle today that, um, that made me smile. It was, uh, you know, I think that there would have been some knives out for the hiring of Arteta today if he'd lost to Carlo Ancelotti. And although the performance yeah. wasn't that great, he still won and he kept those people at bay. Um, I'm gonna, yeah. I, I'm gonna, we're gonna come back in uh, the the third part um, to talk about the attack and uh, the overall performance. We'll see you in a sec. Welcome back, and we're here to talk about uh, the attack today. Um, 
Alex, I thought that we scored some nice goals. I thought that there were some really good moments, like starting to um, starting to get a bit of that tick attacker back into the attack. Things look more structured moving forward, and we created um, we created some good chances. Like, what was your take on on the attack? Was it? Do you, do you feel like it's moving in the right direction, or are you, is it still a, a long way to go? No, I, I think it's it's definitely still slightly a work in progress, but lots of real positives to 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 build on i think the the midfield um is quite interesting this um jack ozil sabayas because they 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 were good against newcastle but they did get it's quite a slow midfield and they did get overrun at times so i was a bit worried about that today but i just thought um even after going down early on they just kept the ball moving really well and it, it was just so good to watch because there was it wasn't just the aimless passing sideways and back which I, I think people sometimes felt like it was but there was so there was clear purpose to what we were doing it's, it, we were moving Everton around the pitch looking for an opening switching the ball uh, when we found the space um, trying to create those overloads right yeah yeah and cre- yeah exactly creating the overloads and it, it was just really really good to watch and it, it, there was no panicking it was really patient um, I think uh, Aubameyang as you said obviously put in a real shift um and his uh his his first goal was um almost Omri-esque um well I mean it was Omri-esque in, in terms of the way he bends his run as well to stay on side and and just shapes his body for the goal is just it was so so nice to watch and actually his second goal I thought was um was really good as well. It's not an easy header, and it's he got the kind clattered of after as well, didn't he? Got... Yeah, yeah, and it's a, it's the kind of thing we want to see Lacazette doing, but he's doesn't really do anymore or hasn't for a while um so yeah he was quality um uh pepe probably wasn't that great today didn't really do much didn't really cover much but still got an assist anyway so he's getting his getting his his numbers up um and then i think in it has to be uh called out because i mean the fact again it's it's a good problem to have if we can now if arteta now trusts him to play him up front in for ninety minutes in in a Premier League game, it means we can, you know, fight a bat to a bat on two fronts. So we can, if we have Lacazette in Europa and FA Cup and in Ketier in in Premier League, or, or swap them around as as is appropriate. Um, and suddenly we have a lot more depth than I think we realised that um, in January. Uh, so I think it's a really good. He's a really good option. He he ran his heart out again, leading the press, and it is. The number nine role in Arteta's team is really unsexy, right? Because it's just pressing and leading the press, cutting off the angles for the defenders and the goalkeepers. He did it really well. He put Pickford under loads of pressure and Pickford is not a good goalkeeper. Um, but the best thing about his performance was was the goal and the... And the I mean, it was so, you've probably seen the replay a couple of times, but it was such a, a lovely uh, touch. For his, I mean, the cross from Saka was incredible, but the, the finish from... And Ketty was incredible as well. And I think he was really unlucky not to get his second when he hit the crossbar um, late on. It was a nice strike, wasn't it? It was a really good strike. Oh, amazing, yeah. 
What about you? Who are your? I mean, I've just named everyone. Yeah, you've just gone through, you've just done it. <laughs> it's finished. Uh, I, well, I, I guess if we just go, just go through the, the the lineup, really, I thought Obama Yang had uh, had an immense game. I thought the the funny thing about um, the Obama Yang goal was, I was like, well, the the smart move here would be to cut it through to Eddie, but he wasn't going to no let. Chance. He was not going to do that, and it was a it was a it was a brilliant finish and just an all round brilliant performance from Obama Yang. I mean, Mustafi was probably my man of the match just because of where Mustafi he's been but overall um i think if you weren't you know giving out special prizes because you know people used to be shit you'd have to say that it was a brilliant brilliant game from obamiang it was interesting after listening to arteta talk and he was he was basically saying i wasn't sh- i wasn't sure whether obamiang was was going to be up to it physically and mm. I, I, I wasn't sure whether he wanted to do the dirty work but you know he's tracking back and he's proving uh, an an important player um f- throughout the the squad he's offering goals um he's doing things that nobody thought he would do and he, he looks happy and i think that he's kind of like uh, the, exactly the sort of captain that you want somebody that leads by example um so for him to get two goals especially because the the second goal was so uh you know so suited to that game like a a, a cracking header uh like mm. where he got absolutely clattered off the back of it into the ground top corner um i thought that that was brilliant Nicolas Pepe, I think that there, there might be a reaction to his lack of tracking back and and leaving a, a, a you know an unfit right back exposed most of the game. So we'll, we'll see there. Like, but he shows he shows exciting spurts, and it's like when he can piece it all together, he's going to be one hell of a player. But I, I still feel at yeah. the moment it comes in spits and spats. The one thing that that really did stand out for me with Pepe, and it has done for you know the, most of the games that he's played this season. His dead balls are brilliant. Yeah, I, I, you know, we've, we've we've spent many a year watching um, watching players like Santi Gazzola and Thomas Rosicki fire corners into you know no further than the front post. But he brings a real variety to the set pieces, and they're always dangerous. And it, you know, if 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 we start to get our act together and, and learn how to finish those off, I think that's going to be a real threat uh, moving forward. But and do, do you know what, Pete? This, what? So this year, Pepe. Europa and Premier League, he's got eight assists and nine nine goals. Is that right? Bloody hell. I mean, that's, like I said last time, if he gets the double figures for both of those, that's a pretty good first first season for him. It's probably not £72 million pounds worth. Yeah, but, uh, how many times did uh, Eden Hazard get double figures for goals and assists? Yeah, well, yeah, I know that Eden Hazard is a great player, but um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think for your first season, if you can if you can do double double figures for both, which I think is looking like it's going to be likely, especially if we get uh, you know maybe a soft draw in the Europa League, um, it, it, you know there'll be plenty to work on in the summer. But he's got all of the raw ingredients there. I guess that he just needs to, like, he's going to have to learn how to, to to do the dirty work because I think he thinks it's a little bit beneath him at the moment. But I don't think this is the yeah. re- regime that's going to tolerate that for long. Um, and then Eddie and Ketia, there was so much criticism um, before the game about the move to to not play Lacazette. And it's crazy because four weeks ago, everyone was criticizing Arteta for persisting um, with Lacazette. And I think there's a few things at play here. Like, like firstly, he's 
he's brought him in from from his loan spell uh, at Leeds when he could have been winning a trophy. So he's got to put his money where his mouth is and give him games. Secondly, if you were going to put money on who's going to be here next season, Enketia or Lacazette, I would think you'd be putting your money on Enketia because Lacazette looks the most likely of Aubameyang and him to, to leave this summer. And thirdly, I think that he does what Lacazette does, but I think he does it faster and I think he's a bit stronger. So I, I, I'm I'm game for it, and that finish was just brilliant. I mean, the composure and, and the the celebration, and the fact that the fans absolutely love him, and it's a really easy song to sing in the ground. I think it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm really hoping that he is um, that he's going to be a top striker, and it, you know, even if he's not right now, I think that, like you said, it shows that we've got strength in depth where we didn't think we had it. Uh, yeah. And uh, it, it takes the pressure off having to, uh, you know, fumble away through with Lacazette and Aubameyang in the side, which doesn't always work. And I, I guess the other thing is that it is a reality that against big hulking teams, Lacazette gets bullied. Uh, mm. He's been getting bullied away from home all season and he gets dominated by bigger strikers, uh, bigger defenders. Yeah. So I think that that was important. Um, and, and then, you know, the only, two, well, the, the only other two players that I really want to talk about, I thought Meza Ozil put in a big shift today. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, he, he really showed up. He ran the line. He tried to take the sting out of the game um, at times. And, you know, he, I, I think that everyone forgets it doesn't matter how much money you earn. If you're lacking confidence, you're lacking mm. confidence. And I think that he's really lacked, um, I think he's really lacked that to his game. And I don't think people um, give him enough credit for being a human being because he earns so much money uh, and that he should not suffer these things. But like for me, maybe he does. I thought Danny Sabaya, sorry. I was going to just sound lazy, but remember, I mean, we all, you know, we're sort of, it was ridiculous the amount of away games he was missing and his, his little sicknesses. But he puts... He's there for... I know he wasn't there last week. He had a... a or was it Olympiacos? He had a pretty good reason. He was... His, his wife was giving birth. But he's there for every game now. And he gives... He puts in so much effort. Um, he he runs a lot. He covers a lot of ground. And his role sort of... I think he's changed slightly from... Uh, he's not going to... The guy bursting into the box, uh, you know, the sort of relationship he used to have with um, Alexis. He's not quite that player, but he... He's just the guy who just keeps everything moving forward, and he he move, he's always looking for the bit of space to create an option. He's, he made some amazing runs today, and his, t- his teammates didn't find him. And I actually wonder. I think it will depend a lot on resources and stuff like that. But I wonder if we'd keep him after this contract uh, if he were willing to go down a bit in salary. Because I think he actually had he. He adds quite a lot to the team in terms of how we play, and he—you could see him sort of taking on that Burkamp role. You know, he did in his final few years yeah. as a sort of super sub and a bit of a leader in the dressing room. Maybe I'm being completely. Ridiculous, I, I, I think that you're absolutely spot on. I think that if Arteta can continue to get performances out of Meza Özil, I don't think he's going to move him on this summer. I think he likes players that can move balls between the line, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps on. Jacker uh, as well. I was going to say, yeah, I, I could see Jacker staying as well. Yeah, yeah it's, it's difficult to find those players. And, you know, if you can find a role in the team that protects them and allows them to perform at their best, then yeah. and you can't find anyone better. I mean, I'd still like more mobility in the side, but particularly Ozil, it's difficult to find that sort of creativity. Um, yeah. So, the, uh, yeah, and I guess those were the only two other players that I want to talk about. I think Granit Jacker had another 
really good game, made some great passes, um, contributed defensively. And I, you know, I think he was the assist for the assist for, for two of the goals um, today. So that was, that was good to see. And yeah. Danny Ceballos, like he had a bit of a weird first half. He played that beautiful through ball, um, it, like inside the first like 10, 15 minutes. And then, yeah, he, yeah. Th- then he started to, you know, lose the ball in bad positions. He made a couple of, um, couple of dodgy decisions with, with how to play the ball out from deep. And then in the second half, when we really needed him to up his game, like I thought he put in a thunderous midfield performance. He was clattering into people who's making himself known. I think that they're all taking that, the, the aggression thing very seriously from Arteta, that if you're, if you're seen to shy away in those big games, you just won't get a game next week. So you know, still a long way to go for Ceballos, but I do love having a player that can dribble and move the ball through midfield, even if I do think ultimately he lacks um, a bit of that physicality. But, uh, you know, impressive performance from someone who went yeah. to leave a few weeks ago. He seemed to um, be having a bit of a set too with Richarlison uh, through the game. I, I I think it was Richarlison went in on him, didn't he, and got, got a yellow card, but they seem to be... Uh, as he getting at each other a bit in the second half, which is always great to see. Love to see a bit of that. He's another. I mean, I was thinking about him as well. I don't know. I doubt it would even be possible, but he seems like another guy that, if Arteta could, would probably keep him. And I actually wonder if I think he seems like a quite a. I don't mean this in a in a pejorative sort of nasty way, but he seems like quite an emotional guy, and I think he. In, he it really connected with him that the fans have a song for him and sing his name and it's obviously something he didn't get in Madrid and I I would think that if we could get into the top four he would want to stay with us and I was going to say do you think would he be a player you'd want to keep on if if we could I think if he I think if he continue if he performs at a high level. Like why not? I mean, this is a this is an under twenty one player, like a player that won player, a player that won best player in the uh, European under twenty one championships. I mean, he there is definitely something about Danny Ceballos, and uh, he dribbles with the ball really well. He opens up the team with passing. I think if he added a bit more speed to his game, um, and timed these runs well, and you know, bit, like started to to be a bit more productive as he moved through his career, why not? And especially if you can get him for a good deal i mean if madrid quotes 60 million for him uh no chance i think we can spend that better but if you can pick him up at a cut price deal with some sort of like sell-on clause to, to yeah. make madrid happy then uh, i'm you know I, I i'd be interested to see whether we keep him on and he's certainly not the bum that we thought he was right no no he's definitely yeah the last couple of games he's been really impressive so I think we've covered all of the attacking players. Uh, like, so let's let's move on to uh, like performance because uh, it's been a good week for Mikel Arteta. Like he's won three games on the bounce, first back-to-back wins in the Premier League. He kept, um, I think he's had like five clean sheets in eleven or twelve games now. Um, what do you make of Arteta's performance for the Newcastle game? How, how are you going to judge it? What since then? Or I mean. It's just you know we we saw we said when he the first couple of games when he came in you could see a real improvement straight away and a real difference and then we had a slight setback with Palace with a draw and a couple of draws and I think we everyone realised that oh, actually this is probably going to take longer than than we'd hoped um, but it does feel like it's starting to bear fruit his his um, approach and his coaching and his methods we've seen. Nearly every 
individual, uh, nearly every player improve on an individual level. And I think now we start, and we, we've seen the defence get more solid. And we said, well, right, now we need to start scoring goals. And I think we're starting to do that now as well. So all round, I, I just think it's it's really, really positive. I think he's an elite coach. And, you know, if we don't get, I think top four is on this year. And if we don't get it, I think we're going to be in a good position next year with him. I'm, I'm so, I've never felt, I haven't felt this positive about Arsenal for a long time. And I was actually going to say, you know, it's it's interesting. You sort of look ahead at the the fixtures we've got. Our next four games. So we've got West Ham at home, Brighton away, Southampton away, and Norwich at home. Um, which really we need to. We're and where are we now? We're not. We're ninth in the table. We're on thirty seven points. Three we're points about, behind Spurs. Is that right? Three points behind Spurs. We're five points behind off fifth place. Man United. So crazy. And then we're. Um, well, something like that. We're seven points off fourth, which might be a stretch, but you know, so five points to fifth, um, and and then but then the games after those four are Wolves away, Leicester at home, Spurs away, and Liverpool at home. Which so those there's no none of those bankers. So basically, we need to we absolutely have to win our next four Premier League games, um, and then we're in with a shout for the Champions League. And then I also think I do, you know, I'm, I'm feeling super positive after Olympiacos as well. Um, yeah, so basically, I, I'm, I think it's we're starting to see the, you know, we, we he's laid the groundwork. We're starting to see the results. We just need to keep it going through these next four four Premier League games. Yeah, and I, I want to touch on um, your the, the point that you made about Arteta as a coach, and it was somebody uh, somebody critiqued something that I said about uh, Mourinho because I was obviously enjoying the the weekends uh, there were Spurs lost to, to Chelsea and someone said he's a better manager the Mick uh, Mick a better coach than Mikel Arteta um my response is he is, Jose Mourinho is absolutely not a better coach than Mikel Arteta that is absolutely not in doubt. Mikel Arteta is one of the best young coaches in the world. And Jose Mourinho, I don't think, can hold a candle to, to, to that sort of innovative thinking. Uh, what Mikel Arteta is not is a proven manager that can win Champions League games. And he doesn't... Yeah. And, and, he doesn't need to be that right at this second. I think that he just needs to be able to transfer um, his coaching philosophies, views and approaches into the team on the training pitch and make that translate uh, on game day. And so far, it, it, it looks like that's happening. I mean, it's not it hasn't been perfect, but like, my God, this is a this is a big job that he's picked up. You know, all, you think of all of the things that he's had to do, both literally by coaching players, you know, not to immediately pass the ball um, when they're not being pressured like super basics like that to fixing like very complicated uh, long in the tooth problems that have been hanging around the club for years I think that that so far he's done a, he's done a very good job and I think you know the, my favorite thing about what he's doing is he's bringing the fans along I'm um, uh, somebody yeah. uh, I think it might have been Robin Van Persie was saying you know some of the things that he says in the press you don't expect managers to say you expect them to give blander answers but he really talks to the players when he talks to the press and I think that uh, he's really understood the culture of the modern football fan like you need to let us in 
You have to bring us along. You have to let us know what's going on because if you don't fill those gaps, we're going to. Like the, yeah. the, the, the Matteo Guendosi story, I got absolute pelters last week um, for suggesting that he's a bit of a bit of a bad apple behind the scenes. Mm. Uh, and everyone was like, no, he was just dropped because the, the Europa League was in mind. And Arteta came out straight away and, and he killed the story. And he, and he said, it doesn't live, uh, he's not living the values of the club at the moment. And until he does, he won't play. And then, you know, he's back, mm. he's back in the squad. So I think, I think today's what, what what I really enjoyed about today's performance was the you know it it was it was rough it was ugly um but there was a real resilience shown by the players um they you know they they only had a few days to prepare for that game um Everton had um over over a week uh, since their last game so they were fresher they're already a team that's more athletic than us but we fought through we ground it out players worked through the pain and the fans really felt that and i think the Having a having a, a an electrified Emirates Stadium is is a massive piece of the puzzle because these are you know yeah. these are fans that literally wouldn't turn up to a Saturday three p.m. We only get what like one of those a season. They weren't turning up for a three p.m. for Unai Emery, and now they're in the ground. They're staying you know well beyond eighty minutes, which is a bonus for some of um, the Arsenal fans. And I think things are starting to look up. He's not going to solve performance, defense, attack, uh, uh, making our players better all at once. But as long as you can see that the, the process is starting to bear fruit, um, yeah. then you can get behind it. And, and, and you're absolutely right that the, the next four games uh, are all very winnable. If you win all four of those games, you are in spitting distance of the Champions League and you start to play difficult teams when the ideas are starting to settle. So, yeah. You know, our cup final is Liverpool. We don't want them to go a season unbeaten. There's every chance that um, the, 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 we'll at least be in that game and we'll make it difficult for Liverpool. It'd be brilliant to, to beat Spurs. It'd be brilliant to turn over Manchester City. Um, but the, 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 the great thing is at least there's something to look forward to now. Yeah, yeah. And at least there's a belief that we, we can do it rather than fear that we have to go and play those games. I think if we can get... 12 out of 12 for the next four games let's say then we're going to go in we the team are going to be right really up for those um those more difficult uh fixtures um i had a couple more things i wanted to ask you about i'm mindful that it's um we've been going for a while but uh, uh, listen the, the people like content on on, okay. the, on the podcast these days so why not go over an hour okay well i'm going to ask you a couple of quick fire questions okay well i'm just going to say things and i want your reaction Wobes, Iwobi, what do you think? Definitely don't miss him. Definitely <laughs> don't miss him. Was it? Was it? Uh, again, Arsenal have some odd portions of the fan base, and there was a real fan club for him, like Meza Ozil style fan club for Iwobi, who had limited output, didn't really develop his game in three years with a with a shit ton of games, and then he turns up today, and it's same old Iwobi. He he was almost it was almost like he was laying the ball off with three yard passes because he didn't want to take the game by the scruff of its neck and that miss when he had all the time in the world and the yeah. shot looked spectacular but it still missed couldn't even hit the target typical Iwobi it is a fucking dream that we got 40 million from him what did you think I I agree but part of me wonders what he would be like under Arteta if Arteta can turn, get Mustafi churning out man and match performances I think he could have turned Iwobi into Luis Vigo I just, I, just, I just think he had 
a lot of potential. And he's an academy kid as well. And you just, you know, if he was part of that, you know, it's like a year ahead of the, the guys who are coming through at the moment. And he was, you know, before, he was under Arteta. I think he could have been exciting. But yeah, I, he was not. He was, it was a typical Awobi performance today. I still can't believe they paid 40 million for him. Staggering, um, mate. Absolutely staggering. Yeah. All right. Uh, Danny Ceballos, top knot. What are you thinking? I feel like if you're going to do a top knot like that, you have to grow the hair out. I mean, it's a, it's a small top knot. It's like a, it's a, it's a top knot for beginners. It must be really, really difficult uh, to get into that yeah. sort of shape. And my big concern here, Alex, is yeah. that that sort of treatment of your hair at a young age, like it, it, it <laughs> bites you when you get older, you, like you weaken the roots and then it starts to fall out. So I'm a little bit concerned for his future hair follicles, but he's probably earning enough to get down the, the old Belgravia clinic for a little treatment. Yeah. I think it's a kind of half-hearted attempt at top knot. I'd like to see him go all in for it if he's going to do it. Um, and that actually brings me on to, this is, I've just thought of this. I mean, we've discussed it a lot. Where do you, in the history of Arsenal, uh, worst Arsenal haircuts, worst haircuts of Arsenal players? Let's ignore Emery and his VO5 uh, wet look hair gel monstrosity. I think it's I think it's really difficult to look beyond uh, Javinho and the, <laughs> the late great Maron Shamak. Oh, Shamak had a wet look gel addiction, didn't he? Was it? It was. It was more like that, like car grease that he just like Dax waxed part of his fringe to his head, and another bit just spiking up in the air. Yeah, that was a weird, weird haircut. It fact, really. Seth, what about um, when Cor- he first came? Nick Bedner's corn rolls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Eduardo, when he first came, had a sort of weird mullet as well. Um, God, there's been some bad haircuts actually. Yeah. There. Yeah. Okay, there has. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, that's... Right, but who you who you who you going for? Who's yours? I I I forgot about Schumacher. I think he is my worst. Yeah, his really his hair was really bad. He like lost his, it. He lost it really quickly as well when he went to Palace. Yeah, yeah. Do you think this is like a competition for listeners? If if people have suggestions, they should tweet at you. They worst, should. Yeah. Worst Arsenal haircut. Worst Arsenal haircut. Unless you know, we can go further back than the last ten years. Yeah, yeah, and see with the land. Um, uh, also, 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 because uh, I am obsessed with losing, uh, losing my hair, and lucky, luckily for me, I haven't. Uh, you sure. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's still here. Um, okay. My grandma trying to dial in. Um, the the Jose Mourinho, it's he's he's hit that tipping point. Yeah, it's gone, isn't it? He, he can't. He's not trying to rescue it anymore. He is. He is now. He has now lost it. And I'm like, wow, that guy must have a hundred million pounds in his bank, and there's he can't save it. Doesn't matter. Answer How me this, Alex. When oh, it, yeah, like you've got quite, like for, if anybody that hasn't seen Alex, he's kind of got like a bit bit of grey running through. You know, quite a thick, thick set of hair. If you lost it, would you go all out, Antonio Conte? That is a good question. I I feel yeah, it's it right? a bit rich to be talking about it. But I'm um, my hair. A guy cuts my hair has got a, a bit of a receding hairline, and his advice was: if if it happens, just go with the grain. Don't try the comb over. Don't try the wig. Just sort of you know, sort of style it back if you still got it, um, and go with it, and that looks better. And I I always thought that's quite good advice. And where where it tends to go wrong is where people 
you know, trying to c- cover something which is obviously, you know, not, you know, is is going. Um, so that I th- I like to think I would go with it, but I would also be. Uh, I I don't think I'd take losing my hair very well. To be honest, I take it absolutely terribly, and yeah. I, I I don't understand why. I, you can't why, why it's such a faux pas to go with a with a, a an Antonio Conte wig. I just, oh, so I, you would you would you do a wig? Oh, I'd love to get that. I, I I would have the exact cut that Conte's got. I'd go dark hair, and yeah. I think that everyone would love it. Like what is is it just because is it just because people recognise it and they can see it? What's, uh, yeah, the, what's the big deal? Elton John I does think, it. There's a there's an episode of Seinfeld where one of the guys who's bald wears a wig. Oh, I think it's all right. I don't. I don't. I think as long as it's, you you get a decent one and it's not obvious. I didn't see. It. I I think I think I probably would be honest. I I don't know. Yeah, I think I, it's I, toxic. Maybe I don't see the stigma around it. I don't think it's that bad. It's toxic masculinity and the yeah. banter culture that we've created for ourselves because women wouldn't dare banter another woman who has uh, a hairpiece on, right? No. Yeah. Okay. So, All right. Think, so when the time comes, I, I'm going to do, do it. Think, do you think this is one of the things that people are going to email you to complain about? Yeah, because uh, someone on the sh- someone will be getting a a, 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 wig, a wig and some you know somebody got yeah. uh, bullied to death because of a wig or something like that. There's always there's always somebody out there uh, yeah. that has experienced something in an offensive way that you're upsetting. That, yeah. yeah, that I'm upsetting. So I'm so, I'm sorry if um if anybody's had a, a bad time with a wig, but don't worry. Pretty soon I'll be joining a wig and I can be part of uh, of that club and feel victimised as well. Yeah. I have all right. I have one more question that is Arsenal related now. Okay, cool. Um, so, and I realise we're we're kind of a bit, you know, we're on a bit of a high after that game. So we get to the summer. Who would you sell? Uh, okay, so I think that I think that when you're I think that when 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 you're looking at how we sell this summer, I think there are there are two swim lanes. I think swim lane number one is moving on players that are not fit for purpose swim lane number two is moving on players that have a lot of value and we could reinvest that value uh, and replace fairly adequately and then pump up other areas of the squad i think i think from uh uh who who would i who would i sell because they need to go swim lane i think that you're with socrates is 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 likely going to go i think the um I think that there's a, every chance that we'll sell um, Granite Jacker. I think that maybe he's just going to look to go to a, a better club. I think he'll have a, a better time back in Germany. And if his wife's just had a baby, maybe he's more comfortable being around there. Um, I think there'll be question marks over David Luiz, um, yeah. you know, because he's he's very up and down and he's he's getting to that age. And then I think it's touch and go um, with Meza Ozil. I think that he's got one year left to go on his deal. And I think the big concern is that if he does an Achilles, he doesn't have any security. So I think that, I think that there might be a move to, to, to the MLS or somewhere like that this summer. Um, yeah. And then I also think that – I think, I, I think that they – Hector Bellerin, there's got to be question marks over him being mm. swim lane one because he's not really performing uh, now. And there was a lot of talk about him being uh, touted by Juve uh, last summer. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. to see him leave. And then in the unexpected sales, I think that there are, um, I think there are two players that would be in, in the running. No, three players in the running there. I think you've either got Lucas Torreira. You really think Torreira could go? 
Well, I, I, I just don't think I, I'm not sure that he likes. Um, I'm not sure that he likes the UK, and mm. I think that we could get 40 million for him. And I think the if there is any type of player that is a little bit easier to replace, um, it's it's probably yeah. you know a powerhouse like defensive midfielder type because I think I think there are quite a few in Europe at the moment um, that we could pick up. I'm I'm looking at Zakaria of uh, Munchen Gladbach as the uh, as one of the standouts. I think that Leno. Is uh, I, wow. think, I, I think that he could. I think we could see a big bid for him um, this summer. I know that he's attracting interest from Bayern Munich, and then very dependent on how the next three four months go. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Gwendozi go because if PSG come in with a big bid, um, I know that there have been problems behind the scene um, with with his attitude, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him go. What, 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 yeah. Firing that question right back at you. Who who do you think is going to go? Uh, I, <coughs> I, I think Lacazette. I can't really see the value that he's worth his wages at the moment in terms of what he offers. And I think if if Enketi can put in more performances like like that, um, he he's pretty much offering the same as Lacazette does at the moment. Um, you know, you can't have a guy on eight hundred eighty grand a week who, who can't score away from home. Um, it's 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 not really a, a, real, a sustainable situation. Um, who else? Yeah, I think Socrates is a good shout. I think Bellerin definitely. I'm just thinking about if any of those academy guys could go. I wonder if um, oh, I'd, I'd like to think Ainsley Maitland-Niles doesn't. I wonder if um, if Willock might because I I think he's I don't think he's really found a position and he's he's good as a squad player, which might actually be a reason to keep him. But he's not really breaking through perhaps in the way some of the others have. Uh, and, and I think if you look to Europe, again, I feel like that's one of um, like the position Willock is trying to play. I think that there are lots of players around Europe that can play that position really well and potentially at the same sort of age that could offer more end product. And yeah. um, Lundberg went hard for Willock, but Arteta hasn't really fawned over him in, in quite the same way yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In a way, I wonder if Willett would fit into Liverpool's team because he's sort of that a player who doesn't really... He, he's not great at any one thing other than having bags of energy and really, really fit player, which would suit Liverpool's midfield rather than us. But um, I don't know, maybe maybe he's, he's, he's probably still got a role as a squad player. Um, I'm just trying to think who else. Yeah, Louise is probably, you know, getting over the hill now. Um, Klasnach. Yeah, he. But and you forget he's so young, right? Is he? Yeah, he's quite young. I think he's like twenty-five years old, and uh, you know, he certainly doesn't look it. But he's got, uh, you know, he's got a good end, good end product. Barcelona were interested in him last summer. Um, used to be, you know, one of one of the best fullbacks in the Bundesliga. I think he was voted like left back of the year when he was a Schalke. So I think there's every every chance that um, we might see him go. And because uh, at the core of it, he's just not a good enough defender. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Could see him going to someone. No, maybe not. I was wondering whether he could get like bullied into being a good defender at somewhere like um, under Simeone at Atletico. AC Milan. AC Milan, yeah. AC Milan will come into it. Okay, cool. All right. Well, um, that was a that was a long podcast, but um, yeah. I felt I felt it was a, a positive one and one that needed to happen at that length. Um, yeah. Hopes for the week. You think we're going to beat Olympiacos at home? Are you going? 
yeah, I'm going. Hundred percent, we're going to beat them. I'm super, super confident. We're not. We're unbeaten in 2020. Let's keep it going. Only team in Europe. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, so a few people have asked what the song is at the top of the show. It's uh, by the Pacers. It's called Mirror Man. The Pacers are a North London band that plays some really cool music. You can look them up on SoundCloud. Uh, somebody called me to say that you, yes, you who is listening right there, um, are going to leave a five star review and a really nice comment. That is that is a really beautiful thing. Do you, do you know what? Just on that, yeah. I mean, if you've got to this point anyway, and you've listened to us drone on for this long, you probably should leave a five star review out of fucking courtesy, to be honest. Yeah, no. I've also been reading, looking at the reviews and stuff. Yeah, like there have been some really nice comments actually uh, from people, which is great. So also leave a comment if you feel like it. You can call us pricks or you can say something nice, but we might look at it. Yeah, and yeah. and we're people too. And when you say mean yeah. things, or well, it actually actually lives with me. I really hate it yeah. when people are like doesn't know anything about Arsenal. You know, you're like <laughs> that's the that's the best that you can come up with. Uh, okay, cool. So yeah, leave that five star review, um, Alex. So we're going to be back next weekend. I think we probably should be right. Yeah, man. Awesome. Okay. Thanks for joining Alex. Um, follow him on his Twitter account. It's a complicated one to follow. Alex, what's the Twitter handle? Aldo underscore Dole, D-O-E-L. Brilliant. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put you in the tweet so it's nice and easy oh, for people. Thanks, mate. Okay, all right. On that note, I'll say goodbye. Ciao for now. Peacock Streaming, the biggest live event. From Super Bowl 56 to complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. It's all the unbelievable sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.